I said Vaseline your lips, oh, Vaseline your lips, moisturize, no chapsticks, Vaseline your lips, shea butter's cool, you can go cocoa, but you know what I know, it's the Vaseline, oh, Vaseline your lips. Vaseline your lips, Vaseline your lips. <laughs> Is Vaseline black owned? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> oh, big chin. Um, hi guys. Hey. <laughs> My name's Aquia. And I am Melody. And we are the back, Sankofa back, Book Club. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited. All right, go on then, sing your song. We are back, back, back. Everyone's always back trying to get again, again, again. famous on this podcast. Yeah, it's true. You know. Are we happy in our fields or do we want to become musicians? Look, I want options in life. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> do you know what? I, you know, in all jokes aside, I actually did start a music Instagram page, as you all know. And um, somebody, I was asking for recommendations as to what to do for my next um, cover. And somebody recommended... The Black National Anthem. It was Sam, actually, our curator. Shout out, Sam. And I was like, the American one or the British one? Because I think the British one will probably be like, options. (laughs) 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 That's so jokes. Introduce us, because it's been a minute. It has. Hi, my name is Ikuya Eboating, co-host and co-founder of the Sankofa Book Club. And I am Melody, the one that tends to interrupt a queer a lot of the time. And I'm also the co-host, the co-founder. We're a little bit rough off the edges. Like, it's been a while. So it's okay if you interrupt me a bit, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's true. It's been three months. (sighs) Exhale. Um, Yeah, it has been three months because we've been living through double pandemic. Mm. Um, Ismail respecting my private space in this time. She's two meters away now, but she she hasn't been respecting me, no. No, because I missed you. I needed to hug you. Well, chat to Boris in it. <laughs> so we are reading a book this month. We're reading Through the Leopard's Gaze, mm-hmm. um, which is a book which was part of the Inclusive Indies campaign. Or actually, I've I've mixed it up. It's a book which is published by Jacaranda Books, who are part of the in- Inclusive Indies campaign. And we're really happy to share that they have hit their target. So those publishing companies will survive this Yay. pandemic pandemic a or pandemic one the covid pandemic um and uh yeah i guess we were a bit too late to support them but we're supporting them regardless and that'll be the next podcast that comes out but we really just wanted to have an opportunity to chit chat with you guys um mel really wanted to do this um take it away mel what do you want to talk about oh i mean generally how have you been okay we usually do our catch-ups don't we yeah um yeah how have you how's the double pandemic been treating you (laughs) Um, this week I'm good, to be honest. I think at the start of lockdown, as I'm more of an extrovert, I was just itching to go outside mm-hmm. and do stuff. Then I kind of had to still myself, get used to the fact that um, things weren't going to change immediately. <laughs> do you remember we were having this? We have a few friends who are doctors, and we were on this call. And I was talking about how like <laughs> stressful it was. And um, they all had really straight faces. And then they went on to say, yeah, it's not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And this is when we weren't getting much clarity from the government. Um, but I'm, I'm actually used to it now. And I was saying to uh, my bestie um, this week, I saw her at a healthy distance. And I said to her, um, I'm actually not mad. I can, I can stay at home for a bit. Mm. Provided I can see my friends, I'm in no rush to 
go back to work, get back on public transport. I don't miss the underground. I saw way too many rodents on the underground. <laughs> I don't miss the overground because when you're waiting and it's cold, nobody wants to give you like a cuddle to keep you warm. It's just a very hostile environment, I find. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the second pandemic, um, which is, I guess, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, um 10,000.0 because we this isn't the first time this has happened yeah um not even on social media this is just the first time I've found Caucasians to be as outraged as we are um so that has also been quite up and down I think the first week after George Floyd's murder um I was I took it in my stride like we do all these things like as I say this isn't the first time we've seen this on social media um and I personally don't really watch the videos anymore because I, I can't take it. Um, so I'll watch enough to know that it's true and I'll know the beginning and the end. Um, but I can't like watch a whole 10 minutes of, of footage like that. So the first, um, the first week I was quite like outraged and my reaction to these things is usually to inform and educate people as much as possible and to shout about what's going on. And then I was a bit <laughs> confused by um, almost the reaction from people who are not black and how everybody else was suddenly screaming and shouting about it. Um, and it's not to say that white people or brown people don't care, but I'm just not used to seeing this much passion from other communities yeah and then it became overwhelming because that first week um I was saying this to a colleague yesterday I'm quite used to dealing with that trauma alone yeah and maybe only speaking with it um speaking about it with friends family handful of colleagues like literally maybe one or two who are woke um but I would still go to work and do my job and I remember a few years ago seeing on Twitter someone saying like we need to start taking like mental health days when a member of the black community is killed or shot. Um, and it was a little bit like, haha, yeah. But also, oh my gosh, yeah. Mm. But also there was a tone of, we won't be able to get this. This isn't a real thing. So that, that first week after um, George Floyd's killing, I kind of had a, a usual online outrage, which was actually a bit more intense than usual because you're not going out on the trains or you know you're not living your normal life so we're all online so much more than we normally are and then the second week it seems like the rest of the world caught up mm. and I was just like oh my gosh systems overload like I can't even escape this which is good because we shouldn't be able to escape this this is a real problem um within the the United States society and then it kind of snowballed into the injustice that you know, darker people face all over the world, like literally yeah. all over the world. Um, and it's a discussion that we have quite regularly on the Sankofa Book Club as we discuss um, a lot of diasporan issues and things that happen on the continent, how Africans are treated all over the world. But it was like this, everybody's wake, uh, everybody's woke all of a sudden. That was just was a bit of a shock to me. So then... That shock kind of hit me and I needed to like pause after the second week. Um, and then like the third week of it all, I, I felt like I needed to find my balance because um, the emancipation and the empowerment of black people is something that's so important to me. And I feel like um, I've been different kinds of black. Um, being born and raised in London, I know what it's like 
to be in the hood, even though my parents protected me as much as possible. Mm. Um, I knew that there were problems in our area. Um, I know what it's like to be like the only black person in the room in both in school and at work. And then I also know what it is to be like a queen, like living in Ghana. Come on. Um, and like there's melanin everywhere. And, you know, we're not the other. This is our country and our home. Um, and I've always wanted people, even though like I know that there are almost in quotation marks limits to my Ghanaian-ness. Um, I've always wanted other people to have that same love and connection to the continent, whether or not they are of African heritage or not. Like this is where we all originate from. Mm-hmm. Um, I lose my train of thought. Why was I talking about my blackness specifically? Yeah, I really, I really value black people being empowered. So in finding my balance, this is where I've shifted my focus. And of course, there needs to be justice for the lives that have been lost. Um, and the police officers who've gotten away with so much over the years. And it is such a tragedy that it took this man's death for us to all wake up and realize what was happening um, and the extent to which we accept what's going on. But also a revolution is a revolution Um, and whether or not they televise it, it's gotta happen. And I think that's definitely what we're seeing now. And I'm also a firm believer in that, you know, if you want to go slowly, go alone. If you want to go fast, you go together. And even though not all white people will understand our plights or how we got here, we're definitely going to be more effective if we, you know, have others on side. Um, Especially, let's call a spade a spade, people in power. So, um, yeah, I think I've kind of gotten a bit of a balance whereby... I can withdraw when I need to, and I don't need to consume everything I see. Um, but I'm also able to apply myself and make changes wherever I can. Um, in my house, um, protests, um, in my place of work, I'm just, I'm not going to be silent because I have a voice, which is something that, you know, people from decades and centuries before did not, um, the last 500 years of our history, considering that this planet is thousands and thousands of years old, it's actually still very recent. And we have civil liberties that black people weren't afforded and black women specifically Mm. weren't afforded um, in many places. So I value the voice that I have. I will use it the best of my ability and I'll take care of myself in that as well. So also, I also found in the time that Trump been talking for a long time. No, sorry, <laughs> I also found that in the time where I needed to withdraw from social and like saying anything or reacting to something, um, some people expected more from me and more engagement. And I think I also kind of felt a bit ashamed and punished myself a bit for not doing much. But I needed to breathe. Um, who are these people, by the way? Stop like, it. Well, no, no, no. You, you don't have to reveal them. But in terms of like proximity, how how well do they know you? Like to what degree? How do you know them? Is it work? Is it personal relationships? Like where they're coming from? I think I think half of it wasn't necessarily um a direct a queer say something, but just like an onslaught of information as though I needed to then feed back. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Which I wasn't really comfortable doing yeah. at the time. 
And for some people, I would just say, yeah, I'm not really on Facebook at the moment. And for others, I would just like, eh. <laughs> just straight air. Um, yeah. But I, I had to tell myself not to feel bad for taking time for myself and going through the ups and downs. And there would be times where as much as I didn't want to engage, I also thought, well, why isn't this person outraged? Why hasn't this person said anything? So I, I think I really needed that moment to just distract myself not distract myself but to step away and really focus on what I could do to improve the situation little drops of water make a mighty ocean so we've clearly got an ocean ahead of us what's my drop of water rather than looking at the ocean and just like crying 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 because that's what it feels like um that's definitely how I felt I, it, it can feel like really overwhelming when I look at like my personal situations and also just like empathy I don't care that I don't live in America or that George Floyd wasn't the same age as my father like that's just another black person that's another human being um who had been abused over something neither he or I could help so it has absolutely been a journey but I'm really pleased that I can get to this point um mm. and talk about that journey um, which is also really important. I found that with the pandemic, I'm not, um, I'm not living. Well, now I am, but I wasn't initially living with any any person of color, let alone a black person. So I didn't actually have like what what felt like real community, other than being online. But at the same time, going online was also really triggering. Mm -hmm. So it, it has been extremely difficult. Um, and as I say, I'm still gonna try and keep like a balanced ear out but also looking after myself but I'm feeling empowered enough to do what I think works for me and that includes educating people to a point I'm not going to make it my life's work um donating where I can mm -hmm. investing in the things that I find to be helpful solutions and affecting the places where I spend most of my time and also where I'm most likely to face prejudice and discrimination which is my place of work um so yeah that's me in a nutshell <laughs> a lot has gone down yeah a lot has gone down um uh, for me I pandemic wise anyway well COVID-19 pandemic wise mm -hmm. um it's been challenging in the respect that lack of freedom don't get to do what I would normally do as mm -hmm. a, as like everyone else um, and trying to adjust to that. But overall, I've been, I feel, I feel blessed. I've been able to isolate quarantine. Forget what the right term is. Um, I've been able to be in the company with people um, where we can keep each other entertained, mm. um, figure out our work routines as well. And yeah, I think I've thankfully been able to engage in practices that have helped to keep me afloat. So yoga has been my new thing. Why um, you just exercise in general and then yeah a lot of internal kind of prayer mm. solitude kind of work so that's been good for me mm. um gosh back onto the other pandemic though mm. i i think it has been really overwhelming for me i didn't necessarily yeah i haven't looked at the video actually of george floyd passing away or followed um a lot of the tweets or social media engagement concerning that just because um, I was telling my friend this the other day that normally when I when I flick through Twitter, if it's not like banter, I hear it in a very 
like loud shouting kind of voice in my head or like in a very um in a very serious tone and i think considering that you know with the pandemic happening and then also the nature of the conversation as well it's just too much for me to be mm. able to engage in that all the time so yeah like you i've created a distance where i'm able to um care and act but then at the same time to make sure that i'm okay in it as well and can be effective as well in helping i've i've maintained a healthy distance for myself um i think with all of this I've, it's definitely encouraged me to be a lot more intentional about how i can just help dismantle systemic racism i mean what's been happening in america isn't so far removed from what we experience as black people here or if you're an other anyway mm. um yeah we don't face the same kind of fear of being shot um but i think in terms of being discriminated against the access of to opp opportunities that we have um how we're labeled or viewed i think it's quite similar um so for me being black british i saw that and i george floyd felt like someone that I could know in my community, whether mm. it was my dad, my brother, my friend. Um, so yeah, it, it was really heartbreaking um, and tough to kind of process, even though I didn't even watch the video. Um, but yeah, it has steered me in the direction of being a lot more intentional. Um, so I'm a researcher, chemist by trade. <laughs> um, and that means that I'm involved in, yeah, I've been, I've had a lot of experience in Russell group kind of universities and, being able to recognize how systemic racism has infiltrated that as well and how I can play a part in dismantling that mm. has been like my go-to in, yeah, since everything that's been going on. So yeah, engaging in conversations with people about how we can work towards that is is kind of my MO. Um, you went to the demonstration though. So I was, I was going to ask you, what was that like when you went? Okay. Like atmosphere wise um, and your views on demonstration and its effectiveness. Okay. I was actually um, looking at a post um, today about how the protests affect change. I would have, so funnily enough, I was kind of in two minds about going only because we're still in the middle of pandemic one, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is COVID. And I also recognize that all of us that would be attending this demonstration would are also um, the people group most likely to be affected by COVID. This is prior to the NHS report coming out on how um, the COVID-19 is most aff affecting um, people of black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. Um, so that was something I was nervous about. However, um, it, it, it all looked very peaceful. So I live in London. Mm -hmm. So these weren't like small town protests. These, this is like thousands of people. Um, and I decided to join the protest that started at the US embassy. I don't remember the date and I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, started at the US embassy and then we marched all the way to Parliament Square. And actually, I think that was um really healing for me because that was right after I'd kind of gone through this like withdrawal moment like I can't and um I think I just needed to see black brown white green people saying that this <laughs> <laughs> this is not okay mm. um 
And also it started closer to where I live. So it didn't, I wasn't nervous about going on public transport or anything. Um, as soon as we got to the station, people were handing out masks. So I'm like, rah, we're like, we're doing okay. And I had yeah. my mask and my glove regardless. Um, and there were, I think what I really, really loved is um, obviously we're like conflicting with traffic. Mm. And if we're at loggerheads with like a car or a van or something, everybody would take a knee. So it wasn't violent in any way at all. We were actually just asking for respect. And there are at least three or four instances where we had to do that. Um, and even as we would walk through these cars, they would be honking their horns to support us. And we're walking through um, like Pimlico areas. People have all their support in the windows and people are like playing instruments outside their house and cheering along with us. Um, and again, I bring it back to the fact that it wasn't just black people, although there was one uncle, he was driving a taxi. And um, when we were walking through the cars, he jumped out. He was like, yeah, it was like he couldn't hold it back anymore. He's <laughs> like, yeah, come on. He was he was on it. Yeah. Um, so we just I, we did the march. It was myself and my housemates. So we we did like posters, banners in the morning. Um, and then we went. I saw a friend who I obviously haven't seen in ages due to the pandemic. And um, we did that leg dance or whatever. What leg dance? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she did this thing where it was like, it's almost like, you're, you know, like, I know, like you just kind of jump up and down. It's like a dance. So it's like, instead of shaking hands or hugging, you do something with your oh, feet. Okay. Um, and then, um, <laughs> then yeah, we just, we just joined the protest and there were so many of us. And there was this guy who was playing music. Like it was, I just found it really empowering. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought that, if nothing at all, enough people were disrupted by our presence to know how important it was for us, which I think is really important because like if, you know, if it was, I'll give an example of something that um, I, I didn't protest for, but I was affected by, um, was Extinction Rebellion's protest. They did it quite a bit near my workplace. And even though this wasn't something I thought I needed to go and protest, I couldn't help but think about it. Mm. afterwards because oh i couldn't cross the road this guy was like dancing yeah. in the streets so. or like the inconvenience well it right caused, yeah the inconvenience right. created awareness for you right yeah it just it disrupted something for me yeah so now i'm like gonna think twice before i throw away my foil or i'm gonna opt for the, you know the plastic free version um not because um they caused traffic in, in at mm. work or they made me have to change my route but because i recognized how much it meant to them and saw all these reports um, not just as it was happening, but towards the end of the year as well, when a lot of these new stations kind of do a year in review and seeing people's individual journeys and why they're so passionate about it, it spoke to me. And mm -hmm. I think that's what matters here, that even though it feels like a moment, it's an important moment. This is the time for the world to say, okay, this murder is one instance, but systemic racism long term yeah. we're not doing that anymore yeah just like we can't continue to destroy the earth the yeah. way we have been we can't continue to treat black people and other minorities the way we have been and black people especially because our treatment is most extreme so all this to say it was mm. great to be a part of the protest be a part of the movement especially at a time where i felt so helpless um and mm. that kind of helped me say okay you've done something here. It wasn't useless. That's my opinion anyway. I don't think it was useless um, because if nothing at all, it helped me deal with everything that was going on, being a part yeah. of that solidarity. 
um, and it gave me enough strength to continue that work. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, again, I don't know when this is coming out. Um, and I know that there are protests today, but I also know that previously there were some counter protests. Um, not going to even waste my breath on that. Um, so I'm like sitting out for this weekend, but I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it and keeping my finger to the pulse because people need to see that until everything changes, I'm not going to stop walking or marching. Yeah. Um, and if we can ease lockdown for Primark, I think we can ease it for Black Lives. Can you imagine? Yeah, definitely. I had a lot of, um, so I had a conversation with a cousin, you know, this cousin, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, she was talking about how she felt really um, helpless around that time and wasn't sure about going to the demonstration because, you know, COVID is still there. Um, people's lives, well, you'll be putting your life at risk to some extent anyway. Um, but at the same time, she really wants to show the fact that she's backing and supporting this this movement. And I think, yeah, all of this is to say that if if you are unable to go to the demonstration, I, I view it as something that isn't um, a, a loss in the long term um, kind of vision, just because I think because of how much work has to be done. Um, demonstrations are part of that, but it's not like the beginning and the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I kind of just told her that, look, there's so much more work to be done that we can't just focus on one way of showing our support and making sure that, you know, to, to eradicate things. I think we need to look at it long-term. Mm. And I think this is also a lot of my, well, what's the word that I can use to describe this? I th my, my hope it, coming from this is that people who are genuinely supportive of, Black Lives Mattering um, haven't just jumped on the bandwagon because it was trending. Mm. I hope the people that do stick and do support the cause um, see it long term, um, especially people that are not black, um, particularly white, because I think um, just having with the privilege that you have is very easy to um, see things from your own lens. And with that being said, it just won't be of prime concern. Mm. Um, because we live in a world where issues like, like for instance, George Floyd, we've heard of so many African-Americans that have been passing away for years. Like I remember when I w watched Fruitvale Station, have you seen that movie? Nope. Michael B. Jordan, oh, <laughs> would recommend that. That's such a, an amazing depiction. I can't watch stuff like that by myself okay. when they see us. Yeah, I know it's a limited series, but until let Netflix give me a time, yeah, I'm I'm not, I don't want to watch it by myself. Yeah, I get you. Or even the Thirteenth. There's so many movies that are out there. Um, or even like if you're Thirteenth, I did watch because it, I knew that like it being a documentary, I can pick up on the facts. But that was still quite dramatic. Yeah. Or even if you're a lover of like hip hop, um, so many artists have been talking about injustice that they've faced um in the black community. So discussions concerning race haven't been new for black people we've been talking about it for a very very long time um whereas if you live if you're a white person or just yeah particularly a white person um non-black and you're, you're not having to face with how the other side lives it's just very easy to forget that it's an issue and it's very mm. easy to not have the same kind of energy when it's not revealed as prominent news um so i hope for the people that um aren't living like a black experience um, they still have the same kind of energy to continue supporting the cause because it is something that we have to just continue long-term 
it has to be seen beyond like a demonstration, beyond contacting the BAME network at your workplace or university, beyond like the conversations here and there. I think, yeah, it requires a lot more work and has to be seen long term. Mm. Boy, Woo. it's a bit mad though. A little um, bit. <laughs> um, it has been good to hear that it's encouraged people to read. I mean, as a as book club founders, yeah. <laughs> we love to hear that. Um, there have been many suggestions like British by Afwa Hirsch, yeah. Akala Natives. Yeah. Um, well, I'm no longer to talk, talking to white people about race. And Rennie has actually smashed a bunch of records because of the surge of interest in her book. Mm. And her response has been, it's trash that this is what has taken you <laughs> to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. But then also, I mean, if you want to read other fiction as well, like what we read as a book club, I think it opens up to your eyes. It opens up your eyes, lol, my English, mm-hmm. um, to just other lived experiences from the African, African diaspora perspective. So, yeah, read our books. Yeah. If you're if you're a new listener. <laughs> Which are, we have had more people follow us recently. You awesome. Know, Welcome, guys. All of this. So this is a very well behaved podcast. Get ready for a lot of nonsense coming up. <laughs> a lot of nonsense coming up. Keep listening. You'll be disappointed. <laughs> It's true. Um, oh, I thought it would just be good to kind of finish off with like something nice and light and happy. Yeah. I was asking earlier though. Uh-huh. Um, I mentioned this to my, my housemates, so I'll ask you as well. Mm. Um, what do you think, given the surge of the Black Lives Matter movement internationally, either the next year, two years, or five years will look like? Oh gosh! Okay. Like don't you don't have to speak on each, yeah. Yeah. but if if you have like an idea of what you think any of those time periods mm. would look like, um, I'll say five years because it just more time affords for more more things to be processed and strategized. Well, um, curriculum change up the books that we're reading. I think mm. I'm, I'm done with Mary Queen of Scots. We can read, <laughs> we can read other books that give a more wholesome narrative concerning British history. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a book that secondary school kids are reading that is, yeah, just taps into other parts of the history that Britain doesn't really like to disclose as much. Um, that would be one. Um, I think, ooh, for like universities, um, uptake of um, PhD students that are black, that'd be good. Um even year 12 or year 13 students that are thinking, considering going into university, don't know how that's going to change now because of COVID. But if you do want to go to university, more students that are keen on studying STEM-based subjects, because there aren't many um, black people that take on those subjects. And if mm. they do, they never go past like PhD to postdoc or even having a career in that as well. So I think just more of a reflection of people that just don't look white i don't know how else to say it really <laughs> it is yeah, what yeah. it is i just think it should just be a lot more di- diverse yeah mm. so that's what i look for in in that respect what about you um i'm gonna say within the next two years i hope we are more comfortable discussing our difference okay um because i found um a lot of the conversations i've been having at work are the same kind of conversations I have when I meet up with my girls for dinner. Mm. Um, Because we're all black, we have that commonality. Um, So we can talk about issues that are unique to 
our community as black women, but I wouldn't speak about it with anyone other than black men, maybe brown women as well. Mm. Um, but now in the past couple of weeks, um, I actually had to deal with, you know, me guys, I had to deal with some microaggression at work. And then afterwards, this whole incident happened. Um, so I just realized that because of what was going on in the world, it made it a bit easier for people to talk about my difference with me. And therefore I wasn't so like guarded. I just spoke my truth a lot easier because people were more willing to listen. Um, and I'm hoping that continues because it's quite hard to switch that off. <laughs> you know, you can't suddenly say, oh, sorry, we're not, we're not using that hashtag anymore. Could you, could you not make us feel uncomfortable as you talk about your hair? Like, I don't think we yeah. can stop, we can stop doing that from now on. And I was saying to a colleague um, yesterday, once you start having these conversations, you will see common threads and you will know exactly what you need to tackle mm -hmm. when and how. Um, but if you're not even having those conversations, I mean, I just, I think from now on, it's, it should no longer be a stigma to talk about our differences culturally and racially, our ethnicity as well. Those are all different things that inform each other. Mm. My ethnicity is that I'm a Khan and I am Ga, mm. which means one of my nationalities is Ghanaian, the other one is British, which means my race is black. Yeah. Um, and it means that one of my identities is to be black British. That's like four different things, but they all like Even feed as I into the hair each thing, other. I kind of yeah. want to take it back. I don't the want interplay. anyone to talk to yeah. about my hair. <laughs> and somebody else um, can have some differences and similarities in that. Hmm. We just shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. We shouldn't be yeah. afraid to talk about our race. I, I, I think the conversations are welcoming them. I'm, I'm with you. I, mm. I would want the same things as well. I think that it's not always going to be straightforward as well. I'm not saying that, I'm not insinuating that you no, were suggesting I that. Yeah. I think the conversations in themselves are difficult. They can be difficult to have sometimes. Mm. And especially if you're living that, um, you might not always be in the best frame of, frame of mind to discuss it as well. Mm. And I think I've, I've recognized that for some um, non-black people that do want to engage in these kind of conversations, they use that as a gateway to kind of remove responsibility from themselves to learn too. Mm -mm. So I hope it's done in like in juxtaposition, juxtaposition with learning um, mm. and like and applying common sense like as well. Yeah. You just just treat people with, with Isn't respect that so and, important? And, and kindness and love, irrespective of where they're from. Um, so, yeah. And to be open to the fact that there's going to be some mistakes along the way. Mm. Um, don't let your pride kind of hold you up from learning as well and and moving past it in a healthy way too. So, yeah, I'm up for it. Can I'm we end the, the podcast on some black joy and yeah. just share one litty black thing that you've seen or experienced? Oh, yeah. Um, what's one lit black thing I've seen or experienced? As in recently, so everyone could be like, oh my oh gosh, gosh, yeah. I haven't necessarily been... The whole internet, looking. you've not seen any banter. Not really, you know. All right, I'll start then. Go on. People are gassed that Beethoven was black. 
<laughs> so I saw a thread that said that he's not really. That's not conclusive. Oh my gosh! Can we just have a win? Okay, okay. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. Our survey says <laughs> next one. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how true it is, but the memes are giving me life. I see like Afrobeats dancing. Yeah, <laughs> there was one guy who was listening to to one of Beethoven's tracks, which is obviously like best string yeah. piano, whatever. He's like, ooh. He hit the what? And I was just like, this guy's not serious. Because he was doing that for a full minute. He's like, nah, nah, do you hear what he said? Like, that's like nobody says that anymore. <laughs> I was like, these guys are jokes. So I mean, it it's it's a little bit, I don't want to say silly, but all of a sudden there's like an uncovering of a bunch of people that weren't white. Yeah. Um, which of course, like history is whitewashed, so you you wouldn't mm. notice that um they weren't white but it's just been so funny yeah um and i've really enjoyed that yeah also i've enjoyed the love that has been showered on um george floyd's daughter and um Aww. she there was a video i saw um a few weeks ago um and she said daddy's changed the world and i was like rah mad um i w- i just felt like really warm that she could have that perspective yeah and she and she was sitting on someone's shoulders um which I also thought was a really powerful image in that she's had a massive loss, but she is not alone. Yeah. Um, there are so, so many people for her and she can, she can see the light yeah. in the situation. Oh, cool. Um, I was going to say that there is a project I can't remember specifically. So I'll, the link will be there. I, um, but there's a project that um, the likes of Kelechi, and some other dope people that are really keen on doing like activist work for the black community. Um, and they're raising funds to kind of help propel them to do the work too. So I think that's, that is good news. Mm. Um, that yeah, we, for people who don't know how to help, well, you can help financially by, by yeah, supporting that fund and allowing these people to do the work they do. Um, but another black joy thing, um, I got to see you today. Oh my gosh, you're so moist. I know, I had to bring it back to that. And I am really, I'm really happy to see you. As you were talking, I was like, oh, I like this girl, you know. Honestly, I think (laughs) this is one of the things that I've noticed as well during these COVID times is the smaller things in life that genuinely bring me a lot of joy that I took for granted. Like when you, you get to spend time with your friends or even recording. So I've honestly missed having the mic right up to my lips. Come on. I missed it. Lips the mic. Because I haven't been lipsing anyone in the team. (laughs) 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 But it's, it's just been nice remembering my why of why I do it why I yeah, enjoy it yeah and absolutely yeah being reinvigorated in it yeah um, it's been hard reading but yeah I've still enjoyed it yeah. I've loved it yeah so yeah that's my black joy seeing you and this book club still happening which it is guys even though we've been quiet we I know someone recording. messaged me and they're like I low-key miss your emails and I was thinking babes 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 Aww. I'll get there <laughs> she misses I your promise. beloved it was a he but yeah a he yeah okay. it's your friend though my friend. Okay, we can talk about it offline. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know what I'm going to say to you, isn't it? Do you remember that? I thought you were going to say pray. No! <laughs> that shows how Mel and I have been socializing <laughs> recently. Akuya, can you close us in prayer? <laughs> I was going to ask you to say the our social media handles. Where we have to start doing us? that at the beginning because now people can cut out now. Oh. Don't do that. Listen. Oi, if you want to see more of us, Instagram, thesankofa.bc. Twitter, at thesankofa.bc. Um, my music, Aquia B Music, Come on, on Instagram. 
um and i guess those are the main platforms for now um podcast everywhere mm. soundcloud itunes spotify um website soon come i we're gonna discuss that today yeah we are <laughs> it's coming guys it's coming soon come um if anybody wants to throw away their white guilt money at us we're ready Introduce the fact that I said I wanted us to have more frank conversations. If you want partnerships, if you want more contributors of color, if you need more BAME people on your list, yeah, I'm happy to receive your money. London rent is not a joke. (laughs) So, yeah, myself and Mel included, like, yeah, we're also open to opportunities as well. We've missed anyway, yeah, like, hit us up. Yeah, that's Uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Donations, partnerships, opportunities, all of that good stuff. Slide into my DMs if you're a bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I need to stop misbehaving. I promise this to be a serious podcast. We've we've already taken a non-serious tone. Okay. Well, yeah. Welcome back to the Sankofa Book Club, everyone. And we hope you have a wonderful week, wonderful month. Yeah. And a wonderful year. Why not? Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.